All right, three to seven, three to seven can go. Everybody else, if you have your Bible, we're going to look at a few different things this morning. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter one, Isaiah chapter one, Revelation chapter three, Acts chapter four. Y'all got that? you're having to look in the front of your Bible to figure out where all them are, you need to spend some more time in your Bible. <clears throat> Nehemiah chapter 1, Isaiah chapter 1, Revelation chapter 3, Acts chapter 4. No, it's not going to be a two-day long sermon. Actually, I'm, this might be one of the shortest messages I ever preached. I figured I'd get an amen out of that. While you're turning there, last Sunday night we um, had a, a couple that's in, in dire straits, I guess what you'd say, where the husband fell off a roof and broke his pelvic bone and part of his leg, and and then she's had a baby with a bunch of complications, and <coughs> their house and yard was in havoc, and so uh, <coughs> we gathered together and went over there mowed and weeded and did some help on the inside the ladies did on the house and, and I want to say this I'm I'm so proud to serve with this group of people so many people showed up and and worked like dogs over there to help folks you didn't even know because you love the Lord and you love people and I praise Jesus to be a part of that group um also before I get started remember on Sunday nights we're gonna we're gonna do some different stuff first Sunday night of the month we're gonna get together and men are gonna have a little bow shoot and we're going to cook, and the ladies are going to do some fellowshipping down at the church land that we're in the process of trying to do something with. And then the second Sunday night, we'll have a, a, a family Sunday night. Uh, it all revolves around eating and drinking and fellowship. And uh, and then the third Sunday night, we're invited to Steve's church over here, Lakeside. And I hadn't got to talk to Lump yet, but we're going to invite his church over. We're just going to kind of do a... A family reunion night where we'll get together and have some uh, stuff for the kids, um, water slides and that kind of stuff, and we'll have some music and praise the Lord and that kind of stuff. So y'all plan on that in August. <coughs> All right. Let me get where I need to get, and we'll, we'll see if we can start this. All right. You know, I, I don't use a whole lot of notes now. I kind of come to a place to where I stop using notes as much. It takes me just a minute if you can bear with me. I want to share something with you. Last last Monday evening, like Rusty was talking about, we we started a prayer evening. And uh, if you've never been a part of something like that, it's an awesome thing to be a part of. And I want to encourage you in on that. I know a lot of people will say, well, I can pray at the house for da-da-da. But that's, it's very, very, very different. And uh, anyhow, for me, I kind of I come in, you know, and I've, I've been a part of a lot of prayer meetings, and and some are some are good, and then some you go, yeah, you know, I could have stayed at the house. But for me, I don't know about anybody else in there, but for me, you know, we prayed in the back, and then we 
we we came to the altar and, and each one prayed you know silently by themselves for the for the ones that they drew out of the uh, prayer request and I had some that I was praying for that um Anyhow, long story short, God really dealt with me at that that place right there last Monday night to start something in me to show me this is this is where I need you and this is where I want you and this is the whole focus of the foundation of the church and of your relationship with God and a ministry begins in in your time alone with the Lord in prayer. Um, and I'm going to preach on that for the next little bit. So, so anyhow, it, it did. It's God sparked something to me through that this week, where my prayer time has greatly changed, and the focus of my prayer, and, and and my time with the Lord, and what I've been studying on. And and so, I want to kind of share some stuff with you this morning. Uh, starting off, I got a good bit of reading to do, and then a short bit of talking. So, so let's look at God's word in Nehemiah <clears throat> chapter one. You remember that. That Israel uh, had been in captivity for a long period of time, close to 70 years. The walls had been torn down. Jerusalem was in havoc. And and um, it says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, came to pass in the months of Chislev in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah and I asked them according or concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I, when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept. Once you notice his response, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying, talking about many days, before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now. Day and night for the children of Israel, day and night for the children of Israel, your servants and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and we have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations, but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of heavens, yet will I gather them from there, and I will bring them to this place which I have chosen as a dwelling, as a dwelling for my name. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to stop there. And so you see, uh, in this passage of scripture, uh, the place that they were in, Okay, and the word that he received about the condition of God's people and about the condition of God's uh, city. And all of a sudden, Nehemiah turns in a very, this is what you call a fervent prayer. You know, the Bible says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. This is what the Bible speaks of when it talks about a fervent prayer. It's a, it is a prayer that, that comes from the inside, God's spirit within you, that moves you when you either see or have or hear of or experience uh, a, 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 a situation of desperation and God moves inside of you to call, causes you to pray. Okay. Now look in Isaiah chapter one. Isaiah chapter one, you see something very different. 
Now remember when they would offer up offerings and sacrifices and they would go to the temple at this point in time and this is this was part of their worship and their prayer. It was an act of or a symbolic of prayer before the Lord. Look in verse 10, Isaiah chapter 1 says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Now he's, he's speaking to Israel here, but he's referring to him as Sodom and Gomorrah. And then he asks a question in verse 11. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? Why do you come here? Why do you worship? Why why are you doing all of these things that you're doing? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or the lambs of goats. Basically he said, "I'm I'm not happy with your church attendance. You're going through the whole religious motion and all that stuff. He said, when you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices, incense, your empty prayers is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting, your moon, new moons, your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They trouble me. I'm weary of bearing them. And remember when they pray, they, you know, we, we come up with the whole, you know, close your eyes and that kind of stuff. That's really not in the scripture. Nothing wrong with it. But when they prayed, they would raise their hands to the Lord. That's how they prayed. And, and so he says, um, verse 15, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings. From before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. And then he says, one of the keys to to righteous, fervent prayer, the power in prayer is right here in verse 18. He said, come now and let us reason together. He said, come on, let's get real. Says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Very different kind of praying that you see in Isaiah chapter 1 than what you see in Nehemiah chapter 1. Okay, These people were going through the motion. They looked like they, they were praying. They were coming to you know the, the religious gatherings. They were offering up the sacrifices, going through the formalism of worship and saying the right words. But God was like, man, this is making me want to throw up. Okay, Now, look in uh, Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to tie all this together in just a second. Let me read it. Revelation chapter 3, looking in verse 14. Now he's speaking to the church of Laodicea. I quote this a lot, so, so I'm just probably preaching this to the choir this morning, but let's, let's read it and see what it says again. In, in verse 14, Revelation chapter 3, the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right? These things says the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. That you are neither hot or cold. Now, you know, you understand that this is an actual church that he's speaking to, but it also is a church age or a church time in history that he's addressing here. You can look at these seven churches of Asia and every one of them represent a period of church history and it goes, I mean, it's identical when you look at that church age to what's going on here, what happened during that time period in history. This is the last church period in history. And we're in that church period in history right now, okay? 
Now, I'm not saying this is our church. I hope to goodness it's not. And I hope this doesn't represent you or us as a whole. But just look at it. He says in verse 15, I know your works. I know you're neither hot nor cold. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, just eh, on the fence, mediocre, not excited, you know, you're not, you're not totally out in left field, but you're not in right field. You're just kind of second base in it, all right? I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, now notice this is how they, they see themselves. And this, this directly connects with the way that we pray. How you view what's going on in and around our culture, in and around our church, in your own life, will definitely be connected to the way that you cry out to God, okay? And so he says, because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, I have need of nothing, I do not, and and do you not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy of me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed. And and I'll stop there. So you see the attitude of this this church and the attitude of our church history period right now is as a whole, for the most part, not everybody by no means, there's always a remnant, but a large majority of people would fit into this, hopefully not you or me, but fit into this where like, I'm not on fire, I'm not freezing to death, I just, you know, I got my thing, I do my thing. But here's the, here's the problem with that, God looks at it and goes, this is the worst place to be. If you're in that place, you're like, I, I'm not, I don't fervently seek God and pray and, you know, when, when for instance, and I'm, this is not a uh, commercial for coming on Monday nights, okay? Don't read that into this. But if you're like one of me, oh, they're going to have a prayer meeting. Eh, that gives me a reason not to go. You know, or, oh, that's no big deal. You know, prayer, you can pray anywhere. God's everywhere. I just pray, blah, 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 blah. And you don't really have something inside of you that's like, you need to go to that. You need, you need to, you need to be on your face. The chances are you're like either one of the two, whether Isaiah, where we're going through the motions and we're doing what appears to be right, but from the heart, we're not begging God for something. And then, and then when you look in the church in Revelation and you see their attitude, we're like, if you're one of those who go, I'm, I'm okay. We're good. Everything's fine. You know, I pray and I talk to the Lord and, and I say my things that I you go through the ritual of it and I know I need to pray about and I blah, blah, blah. But if there's, but, but if, if that's the way you see yourself, you're like, you're not driven to pray. You see no reason or real purpose warring or laboring in prayer. It's just something that you talk to the Lord. Now look in Acts chapter 4. <clears throat> Acts chapter 4. You remember at this point in time that the church... That they had arrested the apostles, they were beaten for speaking the name of Jesus, they turned them loose, the apostles come back and they reported to the church of the things that were done, and so the church is now facing not only one of the greatest missions that has ever been placed on the church for that small group of people to take the gospel throughout the whole world. Now they face intense persecution, their lives being threatened, whether to be thrown into prison or whether to be put to death. And notice their response in verse 23, being let go, that they went on their way to their companions. They reported to the, reported all that the chief priests and elders had said. So when they heard that, notice what they did. They raised their voice to God in one accord, as a group, as a church, as a whole, in unity. 
Lord, you are God that made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God in boldness. Okay, Now, let me ask you this question. And I heard this illustration. I was listening to... uh, I was actually listening to Francis Chan a few weeks ago, and, and he was preaching. And he used this illustration, and it just stuck with me. And he, and, he, and he said, what if what if tonight you're calling, God spoke to you, okay, and said, I want you to go to a cemetery, and I want you to raise one person from the dead. Not the whole cemetery, not a whole bunch of people. I just want you to go there, and I want you to raise one person from the dead. Who would you take with you? Who would you ask to go with you? Because most of us go, you know, raise somebody from the dead. You know, that's, that's impossible. You know, what are, you, what are you talking about raising somebody from the dead? The Lord wouldn't call you to do that. But if he did, just bear with me for illustration. What if he did? What if he said, you know what, you know, Spencer, I want you to go out here to the cemetery. I want you to, I want you to just pick one. I want you to raise that person from the dead. Who would, who would you take with you? Would you, would you call me and go, hey, I've got to raise somebody from the dead, so I, I want you to go out here with me because you're, you know, you're a preacher and you're a speaker and, and that kind of stuff. Would you, would you call somebody from the worship team and go, hey, we, we got somebody raised from the dead. We, we need a really great song. We need some good music. It, it, because when you look at this, what you're saying is, you know, raising somebody from the dead, that's going to require a miracle. Not a, not that I am, okay, but, that's not, that, it doesn't need a great speaker. You come out and speak, you can get Billy Graham out there. He can speak and preach and illustrate, sermonize, do everything. But that's not going to cause somebody to raise up from the dead. And we can get, you know, the best of the best, whoever that is to you. We, we can call third day, casting crowds, and we can call the Gaither Band, whoever you want to call. We can, we can get everybody out there who can harmonize, who can just bring tears to your eyes, and they can sing and to the glory of God, and you're going to look down, and that person's going to still be in the grave. What we need in this is we need a miracle. And the only way miracles happen is from the Lord. And the only thing that you can do there is you say, well, if I was going to do that, I believe I would ask somebody to go with me who's just going to pray. I believe we would just get on our face and beg God to do what only God can do. I talked to a man here last week that... um, he came by our work, and, and it worked out to where Jake and I got to talk to him about the Lord a little bit, then we talked some more, and, and this and that, and he, he, he came back, and, and in my mind, I thought, man, I just want to, I want to make sure I say the right things to him. I want so bad for him to come to know the Lord. And anyhow, t- after talking with him and all that, then he went on his way, and you know, I hadn't heard from him since, and, and I went home and thought, Lord, you know, why is this Sunday after Sunday, and, and the people that you talk to, and those kind of things, you know, you can, Here's the God's honest truth. I can say, I can, I can read the Bible. I can speak the truth. I can talk in the right words. I can deliver it in a way that, that hopefully it connects with people. 
And then nothing happens. Because here's the truth. Only God can save people. That's what we're dealing with here is raising people spiritually from the dead. And when you come to a place in life where you figure out, I can't save people. And, and I can't change people. And I can't grow a church. And I can't change my wife. Or you can't change your, your husband. And you can't make your kids do anything as far as when they become adults. And you can make them when they're kids. Okay? But when they're, when they're adults okay, and they, they're grown, you can't say, hey, you ought to blah, 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 and then do it. You can't do it. And you can, and I'm not taking away from God's word, but you can tell them what the Bible says. You can speak it. You can do all these different things, but, but we have to come to a place before we're ever going to people, be a people who cry out to God in desperation and hope that we recognize this is God's work. And only God is the one who can change and bring about miracles. Now, Unless you're like Laodicea, maybe you're here and you go, I don't need no miracles in my life, everything's good, I'm rich and great and don't have no troubles, then you're not hearing this message. But for the ones of you who look and go, if you just look around our culture, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in a place for me, I'm in desperation. I'm in a place where I look at what's going on with, with young people coming up and I look in churches and you go, what's happening to where, you know, they're smaller in church and they grow up and they get bigger and they're gone. Or they, you know, you raise them up for the Lord, and the next thing you know, they're off, you know, out, they're outside of the, they're not even left field, they're out of the stadium. And then you look at adults, and adults in our culture just, you know, whatever. You know, church, blah, blah, blah. I mean, how many people do you see who are fervently serving the Lord? Their heart's desire is to come and be a part of giving and serving, and, and, and they, they, they're in God's Word. Let's just have a get real moment where I'm driven to go, I want, I want to know God, and I want to be used by God. God, you're worthy, and I want, I want to serve you, God, with all my heart. I want to live a life that's holy. I don't want idols in my life. I don't want, you know, to just, just to make excuses and justify sin and darkness and, and, and all this stuff in my life. And God, I, I just, where are the people who are going to the mission field? Where are the preachers who are coming out of the churches today? Where are the people who are living holy lives? Where are the people who, who come to church not caring what people think about their tone, but they're singing to the glory of God? And not just in church, but every day. And the parents who are teaching their kids God's word because it's the most important thing that you can sow into the heart of your kids. Where are the families just on their knees before the Lord, praying for lost people to come to Jesus? Where are all these things? And I know that there are some. I'm not saying that, but I'm going, as a whole, these are some of the things I started praying about. You know, God, why is it that you are who you are and you are so good and you just got about beg people just to crack the Bible open? This is crazy. Thinking, Lord, I want to see a people and I want to be a part of a people who have a fervent spirit. I want to see what you can do. I want to see a true revival, not a, hey, we're going to have a three-night service, but where people are broken. Like Nehemiah to go, look at the condition of our families. Look at the condition of our churches. Look at the condition of, of our country and of our nation and our youth coming up who are walking totally ignorant in darkness, believing lies that they've been told. And there's no battle in the homes, in Christian homes over, 
I want to make sure you understand that we didn't come from no stinking monkey. And I'm going to take God's word and I'm going to take it. I'm going to, I'm going to show you while you're little all the way you're growing up who God is. You're going to see Jesus. Now what you do with that is your business. But I guarantee you this. By the time you start from this little bitty and you hit 18, you're not going to deny that God's presence is here. Because I want to walk in such a way that he's freely to work through me. And if we walk in that way, he will work. And so in that, I just go, Lord, you know, a, a lot of the things I think about, I want to see people saved. Don't, don't give me this where we're just living in those times. No, we're not. We've always lived in horrible times. The world's always full of darkness. It's been since Adam fell. The world's full of darkness. The problem is it's just not full of light right now. And we bought into what, you know, religion, and this is the way church is, and America so, uh, we're so Laodicean with our attitudes towards God and our attitudes towards other people and, and, and love and everything that you look at. And I'm not trying to be negative with you this morning. I'm trying to actually be positive, but I just go, we have a reason to be in desperation. And here's the thing, another polished up message, another, another, you know, you know, move this preacher out, move this preacher in, all stuff, it's, it's not fixing it. We've been doing that for years. But the one thing that I, that I see missing, even since I was a little kid, that I see missing in church, I don't see, I don't see, I've never, in all my life, not just as a pastor, I've never in all my life ever seen a crowd this large on their face at once. Never. 46 years of being in church, I've never seen 200 people on their face on the floor. I've never seen that. Never, uh, maybe 100, I've seen it in this church. But, but, but even 200 people. But think about this. If you thought that you needed a miracle, and that you figure out that you can't cause it, and I'm not going to cause it, and getting the high-powered you know, people in here, they're not going to cause it, that we're at the mercy of God. And he said, why didn't God just do something? He did. He told us to pray. He called on us and and give us that part in faith to where we have a part in it. Maybe the Lord's going, why aren't you doing something? Didn't he say that in Ezekiel? He said, I've I've, I've looked through the earth and I've sought for a man, one man who was standing in the gap and pray for my people that I might not destroy them and I did not find one man. You know what God's looking for? He's looking for a heart of a people who go, God, we want to align our heart with your heart, our will with your will. God, we want to, we want to see our culture change. We want to see our kids growing up in righteousness. We want to see homes that bless Jesus' name. We want to be parents who raise up godly kids, who raise up godly kids, who raise up godly kids. We want to see marriages that last for the time that you get married when you're 19 or wherever it is, all the way till you take your very last breath. That's the way God intended it. I want to be a part of a church that when it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, like, man, I'm tired of preaching that y'all go, come on, just give us a little more. You're like, hey, that's, that's a miracle. Bingo. You know what I mean? You know, wouldn't it be awesome to come in here one Sunday and people's hearts be so broken and so, and not just broken, because here's the thing, you look at each one of these situations, there's two elements of prayer, desperation and hope. Okay, desperation. They were desperate. Nehemiah was like, I'm desperate. He couldn't do what, what was needed to be done there. Okay, and then you look at it. In the book of Exodus, you see the same thing. The children of Israel crying out to God in, in, in their slavery. And they're, they're in desperation, but at the same time, you see hope. That's what prayer is. Desperation is, I see our situation, and man, I'm desperate. But I also turn my eyes to God and go, but you're God. 
You know, in, in Acts chapter 31, think about what they were looking at. After they, these people, a lot of these people had visibly watched what they did to Jesus on the cross when they just brutalized him and, and beat him beyond recognition and, and cursed him and spat upon him and nailed him to a tree and he died. They saw that. And now, here's what they're thinking. If I identify with that message that he told me to carry out into the world, I'm liable to end up in the same way. But they didn't back down. They took their desperation in prayer to the Lord and like, Lord, give us boldness to speak. Let us not cower down. Let us not bow to the culture demands. But God, let us take our eyes off of this and put it on you because we want to see what you can do. And God shook the place, filled them with the Holy Spirit. You know what they did? They went out and preached the word of God in boldness. But what you see a lot of times in churches today are we're just satisfied. We're just satisfied. We don't see people begging God. Maybe it's not even church. Maybe it's just in your own life. Maybe you've, well, one time I prayed and I believed and I did this, but nothing happened and you just quit. How many of you have lost kids? You just, every once in a while you think about it, you moved. How many of you are begging God, God, I need you to bring somebody in their pathway. If they're not listening to me, bring somebody to them. Lord, let me have something to say, something to do. God, you got to kill me so that my kid will be saved. Lord, whatever you got to do. How many of us beg for that? And not just our kids, but our husband or wife. Just lost people, Lord. Please wake in this place. It's pathetic. When you go out in public and you see what you see, and some of it even comes from so-called believers, you know? They don't care what they talk like. They don't care what they look like. And the last thing they're going to do is be a burning fire like the Bible says. Oh, Lord, where's these burning lamps at? Make me one, for God's sake. Because I'm not... My attitudes and the things that God's dealing with me about, my Lord. You know, I quit praying those big prayers. And I just settled down to where I'm like, well, probably never going to see this. You know, we ever going to see a day where we got 400 people on their face in a church building. They don't care if we play music. They don't care if you preach. They've already been in the Word all week. Now we're just going to gather together and make war on the floor. Thing. I believe that can happen, but I believe it's going to take a move of God, an absolute move of God. And and here's the thing, if you're here today and, and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, or you realize it or not, you're in a desperate place. Because listen to me, all your churching, and all your good works, and all your religion, and all of your, you know thoughts and your knowledge and all these different things that you think you can work all this stuff out somehow or another gives you absolutely zero hope you are desperate you are so desperate that jesus said i'm the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father but by me if you die without christ you'll die in your sins and you'll go to hell because you chose to reject the only hope that you have and the way that a person is saved is when they come to the knowledge of my sin my guilt before the lord has me in a place of desperation but the hope is that you look to jesus and you cry in that hope and the promise he said if you turn to me i'll forgive your sins i'll save your soul I'll grant you eternal life. I'll show you grace and I'll show you mercy. Man, you, you understand where I'm at with that? And, and I'm, I'm fixing to end it here, but I, I want to challenge you with something. You say, well, what do you got for us this morning? You know, Abraham, excuse me for just a second. Abraham Lincoln. 
said this. He said, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. You know, I think that if you look over the last 20 years and what we've tried in, in, in churches and what we've tried in ministry, I think we'll all agree we're, we're 20 years worse off than what we was 20 years ago. More people on dope, more people alcohol, more people divorce, less people in church, more kids confused. And you just go, what's, what's the deal? To come to a place to go, maybe we need to try a different approach. Maybe the pastor ain't going to fix it. Maybe the Sunday school teacher ain't going to fix it. Maybe a better youth leader ain't going to fix it. Maybe it's when we, just as common people, are broken to go, okay, we figured out we ain't fixing it, but we believe enough that we'll bow before God to go, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beg you. I'm going to start praying audacious prayers, God, and I'm not going to stop praying until I see you move. So I want to challenge you today. If you're here and you've got that area of your life where you go, I've, I've got areas where I'm desperate. I've tried, I've talked, I've preached, I've quoted, you know, all these different things, whether it's your your kids or your husband, or your wife, your marriage, your finances. Lord, You know, I've tried all these things, but, but have you tried burning your face on the carpet? Have you tried humbling yourself? I'm not talking about driving down the road mentioning I'm talking about getting serious about prayer to where I just push away everything else in my life. Go, I'm going to dedicate an hour. An hour? You get desperate enough, you'll dedicate a lot more than that. It's not that difficult to pray for an hour. But God, I'm going to move aside everything. And I'm going to talk about this tonight because it always says Jesus went away to a solitary place and he prayed. Could we as God's people, even though it's so sacrificial on our half, can we come to a place to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit one hour. Start 30 minutes. 30 minutes, God, I'm going to find somewhere by myself or with my husband and wife. And we're going to get on our face and we're going to beg God for the things that we so greatly desire to see that we can't make happen. And we can start that today. And I want to encourage you uh, another thing on Monday nights. If you can come, come. Okay? But here's the thing I think everybody can do. You might think this is weird, but I'm going to get weird and stupid with you this morning, okay? Acts 4.31, you know, the Lord heard the prayer. He shook the place. He filled them with the Holy Spirit, and they went out and preached. I want to challenge you this week. Could you set your, everybody's got one of those annoying little phones, okay? Could you set your alarm, whether it's in the morning or in the evening, 4.31, to where when that alarm goes off, it reminds you to go, I'm fixing to pray. If you're at work, okay, pray to yourself but while you're working. If you can't, if you can't do it at 431, that's impossible. But I would love for us in the spirit to gather together at 431 every day and just pray, God, please, we need to see you move. We want to see you move in our church. I want to see you move in my family. Get specific with the Lord. Tell him what you want for that moron of a husband you got. Amen. And then pray for yourself that he'd change you also. In those prayers where you go, Lord, I'm not witnessing. I'm not sharing the gospel with anybody. And you know that. But God, I want to confess that to you. And I want to change. I don't want to accept who I am. I'm not good. I'm not rich. I'm not great. I'm not doing what I need to do. I'm not holy. But God, I'm looking at you in hope. 
Because you can make me that. And you can change me, God. You said you can take away a stony heart and give me a heart that has a, a desire to follow you and obey you. God, you said you can make me holy through your love and through your grace and through your word. I don't read your Bible, God, but I want to. And Lord, please give me a heart and give me a hunger for righteousness in so much that I'll go to the Word and I'll spend time with you, Lord. Make me a missionary here. Don't send me to Africa. (laughs) Parents praying for your kids rather than to be a CEO, but God, I don't care. I don't care if they pick up the garbage for a living, but God, let them live for you no matter what they do. You would use them, Lord. Use them as arrows in the hands of a mighty man. And so, I guess that's about all I got this morning. So, will you stand? Let's have a word of prayer if you want to come and pray this morning. Jeremy's just going to play. And here's how we're going to close this. Jeremy's going to come and play. If you need to talk to me, I'll be glad to talk to you. If you need to stay afterwards and talk to me about your relationship to the Lord, be glad to do that. But if not, he's just going to play. When you're finished praying, you're welcome to go. If you if you don't need to pray this morning, you know you you're welcome to leave. And when everybody's finished praying, we'll close out and we'll get out of here. Let's have a word of prayer right now. Father God, we just bow before you this morning. I thank you that I'm a part of this people. God, I think they're great. But Lord, I just think that they could be so much more. And I believe we could reach so many more people. Well, Lord, we can't do it. And all the clever ideas that we come up with, Lord, and eloquent speaking and great songs and all those things, God, are never going to get to the heart of people. God, I just pray that we'd be a people who do not give up. Lord, so many times we start to pray, but we don't continue to pray. Lord, I pray for young men all over this church, Lord, whether they like it or whether they don't. God, that you begin to wrestle with their heart and call them to ministry. Lord, that you would call them to preach. That you would put within them a heart to love your word and to love lost people. I pray that you raise up young ladies who give their lives to serve you in ministry. God, I pray you'd waken up us old folks. And we could be looking back in the yesteryears, God, and you'd light a new flame in us. That our priority would be you and our relationship to you and our relationship to one another. And God, that we'd be found faithful. Lord, I just pray that you would do a great work in this church, God. Not just in this church, but that it would spread out in this community, God. That there would not be a person that lives in Anderson County that hasn't heard about Jesus through Cedar Creek Baptist Church. Lord, I just pray you would forgive us when we get discouraged and forgive us when we, when we throw our hands up and we give up, God. Pray, Lord, we would pick it back up today, Lord, and you would put within us a fervent heart, heart of faith and a heart of love and a heart that believes, God, that we'd be a people that believe that you can use foolish things to to show the mighty who you are. And we just pray, Lord, if there's someone here this morning that's lost, God, I pray they'd see their their desperation, but also see the, the, the awesome hope that we have in Jesus and they'd turn their heart to you today and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.